0: The secret of abiding in Christ. My expectation is that in this third part today, we are going to complete that teaching. The secret of abiding in Christ. It comes primarily from John chapter 15, um, verse 5. But let me just read a few verses. John 15, verse 4, 5, 7, and 8. John chapter 15, reading from verse, verse 4. It says, abide in me. And I in you, as the branch, cannot bear fruit of itself. It cannot bear fruit of itself except it abide in the vine. Unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in the vine, neither can you. Unless you abide in me. And then in verse 15, Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. Say, I'm the branch. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Say much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And then verse 7. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire and it shall be done for you. By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit. So you will be my disciples. The secret of abiding in Christ. Again John 15 verse 5. I am divine. Jesus said. You are the branches. And he who abides in me. And I in him. Bears much fruit. Bears much fruit. Now what is this much fruit? Well it's much fruit. What is this much fruit? Well it's the fruit That would come forth if Jesus had freedom to live his life in you and through you. If Jesus had freedom to live his life in you and through you. So that you are totally abandoned to him. And he's able to flow through you. Live his life the way he desires in you and through you. What fruit would come forth from your life? Well, the promises of God would be fulfilled. Would you want that? Of course. The works of the devil will be destroyed. Of course, you want that. Signs and wonders, miracles, the works that Jesus did and greater works than these shall be done. It will shift Christianity from something that is ordinary to something that is extraordinary and something that is supernatural, it will bring your life to a whole different level. And the fruit of your life, the plan, the purposes of that God has for you, the destiny for your life will be fulfilled. If Jesus can have that freedom of living his life in you or through you, or let's put it this way, if Jesus had the freedom to be able to live your life for you, in you, and through you. This is what the mud fruit would look like. It would cause transformation in your character. You will be conformed to the image of Christ. The fruits of the spirit will be overflowing in your life. Oh, there will be tests and there will be trials, but you're going to be able to abound in joy and in peace and in meekness and in kindness and in the fruits of the Spirit, perseverance, patience, and all these things. Why? Because of you abiding in the vine and Jesus having that freedom to live in you and through you. Glory to God. Now, technically speaking, practically speaking, and if I may say accurately speaking, all the fruits are coming from the vine, from the vine life. Envision it. Here is the vine, here are the branches. Oh yes, the branches bear fruits, and the fruits look kind of nice and taste good. But where is it coming from? It's coming from the life and the sap that is in the vine and the branch bears the fruit. In other words then, here is the, the branch, if it's disconnected from the branch, from, from the vine. It cannot bear any fruit. So technically speaking. Even though the branch is bearing the fruit. It really is coming from the vine. In other words then. Let's put it this way. Technically speaking. It's coming from Christ. In other words. You can of yourself do nothing. Everything. Every blessing. Every blessing. Every good thing is in Christ. Now. Myself, I love a number of scriptures, Ephesians 1 verse 3, that thanks be to God which has blessed us with every spiritual blessing. Thanks be to God who has given unto us all things that pertain unto life and I could go on and on and on. But let's stop for a moment. Let's capture the truth. Let's be accurate. You are blessed with every spiritual blessing that exists in Christ. It is in Christ, and Christ is in you. So it's all yours, but it's in Christ, and it's in you. It's in Christ. It is in Christ. In other words, then, all of it, all of the blessings, all of the goodness, apart from him, you are nothing. But in him, you have everything. It is all in Christ. It is by Christ. You know, the scripture speaks about uh, um, in him we have redemption and all the in him. What does it mean? In union with him, in that oneness with him. He is the Vine, You are the branch. And as a result, all of these blessings are yours. In other words, you have a common union. You have an intimate participation. You have a share in the life of Christ, in the sap that is coming out of that vine. Common union. Communion. Communion. Communion participation now no wonder when you grasp that that the fact of the matter is the life is in the vine the life is in christ the blessings are in christ the much fruit comes out of christ no wonder it is necessary for you to abide in him because except you abide in him you cannot bring forth anything but if you do you will bring forth what much fruit glory to god are you with me this thing is not a joke. This thing is real. This is not just about being born again and accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord. And, and no, it's more than that. It is about discipleship. And when I want to say discipleship anyway. Let me just back up a little bit here. All of everything, every good thing comes from Christ. Healing, technically speaking, comes from Christ. Your spirit is life and healing and health and wholeness because of righteousness. The oneness that you have with God in Christ. Romans chapter 8 verse 10. And if the same spirit that raised up Christ from the dead dwells in you, he quickens your mortal body. Romans 8 and verse 11. But what's all of that? That healing is coming out of Christ. The wisdom comes out of Christ. It all comes out of Christ. So what is necessary for you to have that much fruit is that you must Abide in him. Jesus says, except you abide in me. That's the only way. So, what is this abiding? It is a total surrender. Now, I don't want you to get into any kind of place of condemnation. So, let's understand this. As we are talking about total surrender, of course, there are degrees. There are degrees from where you are right now and higher and higher and higher levels of of abiding. Jesus said to John on the island of Patmos when he was a much older man and when he had walked and seen many things. And Jesus said to him, come up higher. Jesus, Paul, Paul, a man who had raised the dead and had done all of these wonderful, amazing things. He said, he said, I have not yet apprehended that for which God has apprehended me. But I'm pressing for the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. So I am saying there are degrees, but you got to come up higher from where you are. And in other words, there are degrees of this surrendering. You go from glory to glory, from strength to strength, from faith to faith. Are you with me? But now, what does this total surrender look like? His words, your words... Where your words are not your own. You don't just say whatever you feel like. The scripture says in Jeremiah chapter 15 verse 19. Now when you and I learn to separate the precious from the vile. And we can choose our words. So that we do not offend in our words. So that the words of our mouth and the meditations of our heart are acceptable in the sight. When we can so choose our words. God says your mouth would be as his mouthpiece. Are you with me? So it means your words being consecrated. Your words being surrendered to him. Your mouth being surrendered to him. Your ways. God says my ways are not your ways. But it doesn't mean we can't have his ways. He just says they're not. Amen. And he says there's a way that might seem right to you. But at the end it's death. At the end it's some level of separation from him. So he says come. I want to teach you. I want to show you my ways. And I want, your, I want my ways to be your ways. Your ways will never be my ways. But he says, I want my ways to be your ways. We're talking about what is this total surrender? Your thoughts. I mean, your thoughts could go all over the place. But the scripture teaches that because you are born again, you ought to set your affection and your thoughts on those things which are above. Your thoughts ought to be infiltrated with the word of God. It says, you know, it says you have risen It says, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. It says, think on whatever is true, whatever is pure, whatever is just, whatever is holy, whatever is right. And when your thoughts are contrary, it says, cast it down and bring it into subjection and to the obedience of Christ. What am I talking about? I'm trying to give you a picture of what total surrender looks like. Um, Because total abiding is total surrender. Are you with me? What about your body? Well, the word of God says you are to present your body as a living sacrifice. It's a living sacrifice. In the Old Testament, when they kill the, when they kill the sheep or the goat or the, or the particular animal and they put it on the, sacri- on the altar, the animal couldn't get up. You know why? It was dead. But when you put yourself on the altar and you decide it's getting too hot, you can get up. <laughs> you can run off. So the scripture says present your body. A living sacrifice. You are a living sacrifice. Holy and acceptable unto God. It's your reasonable service. Paul says, look here, I live in this flesh. And if I leave my flesh alone, my flesh will do fleshy things. So you know what I, I've decided? First Corinthians 9 verse 27. Paul said, I buffet my body and I bring it into subjection. I let my body know that you are not making the decisions. Why do we fast? So that we can tell our body, you are flesh, you are not in charge. So that we can bring this flesh into subjection. That's why we fast. We want our flesh to know you are not in charge. My spirit is in charge. So there is this element, this surrender, even where your body is concerned. You are not your own. You are bought with a price. You are the temple of the living God. Your attitude. I don't know about you, but in all my humanity, I have to deal with attitudes. Attitudes. They're murmuring, complaining, griping. I get irritated. This, that, and the other. But what does the Word of God says? Does the Word of God says I should complain and murmur? And be? No. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. When always? When is always? Always when things are not good. When things are not. When things are not. When it's not comfortable. Rejoice in it all always. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my lips, abounding in thanksgiving. The scripture says in Ephesians 4, verse 27, 23, that you need the whole spirit of your mind renewed. Not just your thinking transformed and changed, but even the very attitudes. Glory to God. I am simply trying to say one thing. I am pointing out what is this abiding? What is this total surrender? It's total. And the thing is, when you can give God all of you, you're going to have all of him. The thing about this total surrender, it will cause that life of Christ that is in you for Jesus to have that freedom to live his life not only in you, but through you. Amen? Now when I was talking about your thinking and your believing and your speaking and your attitudes and your actions and your body, what is that? That's your conversation. The scripture says in Philippians 1 verse 27, let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel. In other words, let your conversation be consistent with the sacrifice. Let your thinking, your believing, your speaking, your attitudes, your action, let them be in harmony with the sacrifice of Christ. The sacrifice of Christ. Let it be in harmony with the fact that you were crucified with him. That it's no longer you that live. That it's Christ that liveth in you. That you were resurrected with him. That you have the authority in the name of Jesus. Let your conversation be consistent with the application of the blood of the Lord Jesus to your life. Are you with me? Now, Jesus himself is our example in word, in thought, in deed, in actions. Jesus says, I only speak what the Father gave me, gave me to speak. Jesus says, I don't even speak my own words. He says, my doctrine is not my own. He says, I present... Jesus, Jesus certainly presented his body... He said, my, I mean, man, shall I live by bread alone, but by every word that proceed out of the mouth of God. And he said it at a time when he was being tempted after 40 days of fasting. He decided, no, 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 no. My flesh and my hunger is not going to decide what I'm going to do. He says, the body you've prepared for me, Father, I have come to do your will. He says, I didn't come down from heaven to do my own will, but I came down from heaven to do the will of the Father. And he says, my meat, my strength, my enablement, my power, it comes from doing the will of the Father. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, when he was facing separation from the Father, and he was faced with, do I take the cup? Do I follow through with this? Do I become sin? Do I allow this separation between, from me and the Father and from the Holy Ghost? And he, and he went through what looks like a bit of a struggle. And he says, if it be possible, take this cup from me. And then he came to the point, nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he sweat as it were drops of blood because of the stress and the agony in facing that decision. But he came to the point, not my will, but thy will be done. Well, the word of God is also telling us that Jesus is our example. Copy after him. Look look to him. Be as he is. Amen? And so God is, so when we're talking about surrender, that's what we are talking about. Even to the point of your own will. Glory to God. Hallelujah. We too must come to this place. I present my body a living sacrifice. A body, Lord, you have prepared. this body is for you. Jesus, live your life in me, live your life through me. Come in the volume of the book. It is written and live in me and live through me. That I live not the rest of my life for the will of men or for my own will, but for the will of God. Total surrender. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Now, question. If Jesus was able to live his life in you freely, that's what that total surrender would look like. And all kinds of good fruits, much fruit will come forth. How would it be if Jesus had that freedom? How would it be if Jesus had, you were so surrendered that Jesus had that freedom? To live his life in you and through. You know what would happen? Your life would be an extension of him. You would be the very epistle of Christ. To be read of all men. You would be Jesus. With your flesh. You would be him. It would be him. And you're just carrying him around in your flesh. That's what he desires. That was the plan of God from before the foundation of the world. Hallelujah. Now, as I said, if you give all of yourself to him, he will give all of himself to you. So this abiding is what? It's total surrender. Say total surrender. Now, this is not for you to, this message is not for you to jump up and run around. That'd be good. But it is for you to get understanding, for you to recognize what this is. Now, in ourselves, we can't do it. But there's one, we can't do all of this stuff. But the grace of God is able to. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God that worketh in me. But there is something that you and I can do today and that is say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And when you say yes, the power of God will come to help you. God is able to keep what you commit unto him. But if you don't commit, commit anything, he doesn't have anything to keep. Amen? And it's just you and the devil. Hello? All right. (laughs) I didn't mean it that way (laughs) sorry that didn't quite come out right (laughs) but anyway God is asking you to commit yes just say say yes Lord say it again yes Lord yes Lord Lord. Lord. you see surrender is whatever he asks of me I surrender surrender total surrender is you losing the ability and the capacity to say no to God about anything Can you imagine that? All right. (laughs) Now what is the secret to surrender? Is it willpower? No, it's not willpower. If it was willpower, then we can just, then, you know, then we can worship our will. (laughs) It's not willpower. Hallelujah. Glory to God. What is it? It is the application of the cross. The secret to surrender is the application of. Of the cross. The sacrifice of Christ. Luke chapter 14. Reading from verse 26. Jesus speaking. And Jesus said. If anyone comes to me. And does not hate his father, mother, wife, children, brothers, sisters. Yes. And his own life. We can say his own self. Also. He cannot be my disciple. Just like he said. If you don't abide, you cannot bring forth that fruit except you abide. Well, here he says "If if you don't give up all and if he's not totally first, you cannot be his disciple. And whoever does not bear his cross and come after me, he cannot be my disciple. Let's stop for a moment. He says if you don't totally put him first, even over self or anything else, If you don't do that, you can't be a disciple. And then he says, if you don't take up your cross, you can't be my disciple. Is he then saying that taking up the cross is putting him first and everything else comes after? Is he now saying that taking up the cross is death to self? Glory to God. Except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abides alone. But when that seed falls into the ground and die, that is when fruit comes up. Accept your life, except you sow your life into the kingdom of God, Accept you die, you cannot live the life that he has for you, which is his own life living in you and through you. That's how it is. It is the application of the cross that will produce, that will release the power and the Holy Ghost to bring you to that place of total surrender. You can't get there on your own. You could say yes, but it is the power of the Holy Ghost that is going to take you to that place of total surrender. It's not by might, nor by power, but it is by the Holy Ghost. Paul put it this way. So I'm saying it is the application of the cross. But let's dig into that some more. Paul said in Romans chapter, first of all, in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 18, he says the preaching of the cross, which means the sacrifice, is the power of God. That's the power of God. The preaching, the speaking, the declaration of the sacrifice. The eight elements of the sacrifice which we're going to get to. The speaking of I'm crucified. They're speaking of old man is buried, dead and gone. They're speaking that I have been resurrected with Christ. They're speaking that I have ascended with Christ and I'm seated at the Father's right hand. They're speaking of the application of the blood that has washed me, cleansed me, given me forgiveness, made me the righteousness of God in Christ. They're speaking of the fact that the name of Jesus is mine and I can access the throne of God by that name. I can rule over the devil and demons and situations and circumstances. The, The the preaching of the fact that it's no longer me, but the life of Christ lives inside of me. The declaration of the word of God and the promise of God are mine. That's the power. The preaching of the cross, the preaching of those eight elements, and I'm just going to repeat them to make sure I get it into you. Even though I haven't gotten there in the messages yet. The preaching, the preaching. But when you hear preaching, it does not mean what somebody is doing from behind the pulpit. Preaching is speaking. It's declaring. It's utterance. So it is. You're speaking. You sitting back and saying, "Mm, I'm crucified with Christ. Mm." That's not going to release power. You got to come out of your mouth. Glory to God. That's how this stuff works. Life and death is in the power of your tongue. You've got to speak the sacrifice. So, Paul says the preaching of the cross is the power of God. And then he goes on to say in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed of the sacrifice. I'm not ashamed of the cross. Why? Because it is the power of God, but now he adds unto salvation. What do you mean salvation? Unto deliverance, unto healing, unto the blessings of the Lord, unto much fruit. He says, I'm not ashamed of this sacrifice because that is what leads to much fruit. And then he goes on to say in verse 17, why? Because in it, the righteousness of God is revealed. In it, the oneness of God that we have with God is revealed. In it, this oneness which is the abiding is revealed. In it, total surrender is revealed. And because total surrender becomes a reality by the application of the sacrifice of Christ, therefore much fruit salvation, wholeness, deliverance, healing. Any problem in your life will be totally solved if Jesus can live his life in you and through you without limitation. How can sickness remain in your body when the life and the river of the life of Christ is flowing through you? How can it? It's impossible. The law of the spirit that governs our life will make you free from the law of sin and death and sickness and disease. This is the gospel. It is the power of God. Hallelujah. The power of God is the gospel. It is the sacrifice. And more accurately, it is the preaching of the sacrifice. The utterance of it. It is the word of the cross. Hallelujah. The secret to total surrender is the application of the cross. Jesus said that. Paul said that. Why is it such power? Because out of it comes this righteousness. Out of this comes this total surrender and the total surrender is what is necessary for the much fruit. Hallelujah. Righteousness. Oneness. Oneness. I'm the vine. You are the branches. Oneness. He is the head. We are the body. Oneness. So the application of the sacrifice that is the secret to coming into total surrender. Are you with me? Amen, Pastor Dad. All right. I'm beginning to get hot here. I don't know if it's the temperature or if it's the Holy Ghost. <laughs> Amen? Praise the Lord. Now, so you're with me. John 15, 5, I'm the vine, you're the branches. He that abided in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth what? Much fruit. And then listen to what Jesus said in John 15, 7. He says, my he says, if you abide in me, in other words, let's say you got this. I'm the vine, you're the branches. He doesn't abide in me, and I in him. If you abide in me, and my word abide in you. Now, I prefer to think of, because if has about four different meanings. I don't want to get into that, but let me just take one of them, since. Since. If, sometime, if that is so, well, that ain't going to be so. That's a ridiculous no, there is not that kind of if. There is that, there's four kinds of if. But the one we're talking about is since. Is that okay? All right. John 15, 7. So here Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. You abide in me and I in you? Hey, much fruit. And now here in verse 7, he says, look, since you are abiding in me, and my word abides in you, and my word abides in you, and my word abides in you, you shall ask whatever You desire and it shall be done. Now for one thing, if Jesus is abiding in you and you are abiding in him... And his word. And he's talking about the word of the cross. He's talking about the the word of the sacrifice. He's not talking about every scripture in in Leviticus and Numbers and and the genealogies. No. He's talking about the word of the cross. He's talking about that very thing that he said to the disciples look here, on the day when he was having communion with them in John chapter 13, and and it's recorded elsewhere, and they were having communion, and he was breaking bread. This was the last supper. In in the other day, he was going to be going to the cross, and he was having this discussion with them. He was washing their feet. And he was telling them how you need to serve one another, how you need to love one another, not just as you love yourself, but the way I have loved you. And as he was going through all of that, and he was having communion with them, he said to them at that time, this is a new commandment. He could have said, there is a new relationship that I'm going to bring you into. I'm going to bring, because John chapter 15 is part of the same conversation. He says, I'm going to bring you into this vine and branch relationship. This oneness where I am in the Father and the Father is in me and you are in me and I are in you and we are one, John 14, 20. I'm, you are, we are entering into a brand new relationship. Now there are things about this new relationship I can't explain them to you right now. It's not that I can't explain them, but you won't be able to understand them. John 16 and I think verse 12. Because he says, it, he says you, can't understand, you can't grab it right now. But, later on, when the Holy Ghost come, and I add, and when Paul comes, and Paul gives you the understanding of this mystery of Christ in you, the hope of glory, then you'll understand. But as for right now, let's just go ahead and have communion. I am the vine, you are the branches. Are you with me? So, what am I saying? So, And then, so Jesus was saying... I'm divine, you're the branches. Without me, you cannot bring much fruit. And then he says, But if you are abiding in me, if this abide, since you are abiding in me and the word of the cross of the sacrifice is abiding in you, you're going to ask whatever you will. Well, the truth of the matter, in that place of the abiding, whatever you ask, your desires will become his. His desires will be yours. You would not be asking for something out in left field because you are so surrendered. You are so yielded. It's no longer you that live. For you to live is Christ and to die is gain. And in that place, Oh how precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. In that place you delight in yourself in him and he's giving you the desires of your heart. The desires of your heart are coming from him. So he said if you abide in me and that word of the sacrifice that word of the cross is abiding in you you're going to ask whatever you will and it's going to be done unto you. And what you and that is the much fruit right there. Do you see that? So what I'm trying to say is simply this The secret to this total surrender and to this abiding is going to be the application of the word of the cross. And by the word of the cross, what am I talking about? I'm talking about the eight elements of the sacrifice of Christ. Or we can put it this way. Eight truths of the sacrifice of Christ. Now, I know for some, you have heard it many times. But bless God, you need to hear it again. And you need to keep hearing it. And you need to keep hearing it. Amen? Hallelujah. I had eggs this morning, but I had eggs a couple of days ago, and I had eggs last week, and I had eggs last year, and I'm going to have eggs later on again. Well, you need, Peter says, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, I will not cease to put you in remembrance. And Jesus says, do this in remembrance of me, so that it might be in the forefront of your thinking. So I need to remind you over and over and over and over until it becomes engrafted in you, until the word of the sacrifice abides in you. So, very quickly. I'm talking about the eight elements of the sacrifice. Many times when we talk about the sacrifice of Christ, we speak of it um, somewhat loosely, and I don't mean to be unkind, uh, but, but we think we will say the cross, we will say the blood, and we will say, but we don't connect it all together. But now you see, the devil only has access in your life three ways three ways and three ways only. Number one is covenants. You're making the wrong set of covenants. Number two, ignorance. And then number three, disobedience. Outside of that, the devil has no access. Amen. Hallelujah. Isn't that good to know? Because once you to shut those three doors, that's it. He's out. Oh man, that's a nice message in and of itself. But I'm going to repeat that nevertheless. Only three accesses he have: covenants, wrong covenants. We're not talking about the covenant of the blood. Ignorance. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Disobedience. I right, open up the door to a whole bunch of stuff. But anyway, so we don't want to just leave the sacrifice of Christ as simply the cross or simply the blood, but let's connect it together. There are eight elements of the sacrifice of Christ, amen? And um, Jesus was ransom for us. Jesus was the propitiation, the sacrifice for our disconnect. And our sins and our separation from God. Two sides of the sacrifice. You could think of it as two sides of the coin. Now if a coin only have one side. You got an illegal coin. Amen. One side is what God did for you. In Christ. And the next side is what God did for you with you in the sacrifice of Christ. Now, what God did for you, what Jesus did on the cross in his sacrifice for you, there are eight elements to that. This is the Jesus side. And it's number one, Jesus died. Number two, Jesus was buried. Number three, Jesus was resurrected. Number four, Jesus ascended to the Father's right hand. Number five, Jesus shed his blood. Number six, Jesus has given, give his name so that we can have his name. The name after to which the whole family in heaven and earth is named. Number seven, Jesus has given us his life so so that we have eternal life. We have the life of Christ in us. And then number eight, Jesus has given us his word and his promises. Amen. Those are the eight things he did that are are the eight elements of the sacrifice. That is what he did for us. But then now, you see, there are the eight things, the other side, which is what God did with us in the sacrifice. Now I cannot emphasize this enough but let me just say bold and clear and I don't mean mean to hurt anybody's feelings but it is the truth will set you free. If you do not understand and properly apply the second side of the sacrifice, what God did with you in the sacrifice of Christ, communion will be a mystery. Communion will not get have the power that it should. And quite frankly, there are certain things in God you will not be able to walk in them properly. Because it's not just what he did For you, it's what he did with you. So let me know, same eight elements is what he did with you. What do you mean he did with you? Well, (laughs) you know, Jesus literally, literally said to the disciples when he was going to the cross, you know what he said? Come follow me. Follow me where? I'm going to the cross. Come. (laughs) Anyway, that's a little bit, it's not a joke, it's serious, but anyway. (laughs) But Jesus could be very literal. He said, come follow me. Come climb up on that cross with me. Be crucified with me. Be buried with me. Well, all right, let me be a little bit more spiritual and a little bit more the, um, theological. In, in, in Galatians, sorry, Colossians chapter 2, verse 12, it says, "By the fate of the operation of God, this was God's operation. God placed every one of us in Christ on the cross. So what happened? When Jesus died number one, you died. When Jesus was buried, number two, you were buried. When Jesus was resurrected, number three, you were resurrected. When Jesus ascended to the Father's right hand, you ascended with him and were made to sit together with him at the Father's right hand. That's number four. Number five, when Jesus shed his blood, and that blood has been applied to your life, there's a whole set of things that happen. Forgiveness is one of them. You being made the righteousness of God in Christ is another one. You being anchor, uh, and so on. That's number five. And then number six, Jesus also give you his name. That name belongs to you so that you can live and function in that name. Whatever you do, do everything in the name of Jesus. It belongs to you. And then number seven, you are born again and there is Christ in you, the hope of glory. You are now a partaker of the very life of Christ. Jesus lives inside of you. God is on the inside of you. That's the treasure in your earthen vessel. Glory to God. If any man does not have the spirit of Christ, God said he's none of his. You can go to church. You can live in church. You can tag. You can give. You can do whatever. But if Jesus is not on the inside of you, the word of God says you are none of his. That's what being born again. So Christ is in you. That's number seven. And then number eight is you are a son of God, a joint heir with Christ, and an heir of God. Therefore, all the promises belong to you. So that is not just what God did, not just what God did for you in the sacrifice, but what He did with you. You were baptized into His death. You were buried with him by baptism. You were raised up together with Him. You were made to sit together with Him. You were washed and cleansed by His blood. You have the authority of His name. You have His, you have his word and His promises and His life. Are you with me? All right. So, those are the two sides of the sacrifice. Now, Paul demonstrated the application of these eight elements. He demonstrated, because remember, if you can apply these, it will bring you to the place of total surrender. Amen? Paul did it. When Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 10, about all the trouble and everything that he went through. But he said, you know what? None of these things move me. You know why? It's no longer I that live. But it's Christ that liveth in me. And in Second Corinthians 4 verse 10, listen to what Paul says. Paul said, I always. Say always. Say always. When is always? Is it when things are good? Does it include when things are bad? Does it include when you're there trying to stay afloat before you sink? Is it when they're storm? Is it when they're hanging you over the cliff in a basket? Always is always. So Paul says, I always bear about in this body, this temple in which I live, I always bear about in this body the dying of the Lord Jesus. So that the life of Christ, not figuratively, but in reality, that the life of Christ will be made manifest in this flesh. What is he saying? He says, I always bear about, always in this body, the dying of the Lord Jesus. What do you mean by the dying of the Lord Jesus? Paul says, I always live in that identification with Christ. Where it's no longer me that live. Where where I've been crucified with him. Where I've been buried with him. What happened on the road to the McCaskers? What happened in my past life? All of that stuff is dead and gone. I'm a new creation. All things have passed away. All things have become new. I am resurrected. I am raised up together with Christ. I am seated together with him. I am in a place of advantage. It's above every principality. Power, might, dominion, situation, circumstance, whatever name. I live and I function from there. And on top of that, I am washed by the blood of Jesus. And there is no fault in me. In the sight of God, I am holy. I am as if I've never sinned. I'm free from guilt and shame and insecurity and inferiority and any other such thing. Because I've been made the righteousness of God by the blood of the Lord Jesus. And I have the authority of the name of Jesus. There's no devil is going to terrify me. In fact, I will not be terrified by anything that the enemy can throw towards me. In fact, I am going to terrorize him because I have the authority of the name of Jesus. And so I tread upon serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt me. And on top of that, I have the very life of Christ pouring through my veins. So that if sickness tries to attach itself to me, if some serpent tries to bite me and poison me, I'm going to shake it off in the fire because the life of Christ is flowing through me and that life is like a river. Out of my belly flows rivers and wherever that river goes, it destroys sickness and disease. That law of the spirit of that life governs me and it makes me free from the law of sin and death. Why? Because the life of Christ, I always bear about in my body the dying of the Lord Jesus, I died with him, I was buried with him, I was resurrected with him, I ascended with him, I've been washed by his blood, I have his name I have his life and I have his word and his promises hallelujah Paul says I live this way amen and that brought him to a place of surrender he says every day I wake up he says I die daily and he says you know something This is not just theology or something cute to me. This is my commitment. I am committed to this. He says, for me to live is Christ. And to die is gain. He says, I don't count my life dear unto myself. I don't count my life dear unto myself. Paul, they told Paul, Paul, you're heading to Jerusalem. The prophets reveal that when you get to Jerusalem, they're going to throw you in jail. They're going to chain you. You're going to be in prison. Man, it don't look good. Paul, don't go. Don't go. Trouble is ahead. Paul says, come on, come on, guys. Why are you trying to grieve me? He says, look, relax, chill out. He says, look, and I think this is in Acts 20 verse 24. He says, none of these things move me. You know why? Because I don't conquer my life dear unto myself. I don't conquer my life dear unto myself. It's not my life. And this way I can live my life and no matter what's ahead, no matter what's going on, I could finish my course with joy. Because my joy is not dependent on circumstances. My joy is not dependent on what it looks like. My joy is not dependent on on what anybody does or don't do. Jesus, he is my joy. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever in every situation. He says, I live this way. I'm committed to this. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ that liveth in me. So now you see, communion is a precise illustration of this abiding, this surrender that produces the life of Christ. Listen to John chapter 6. Read it from verse 51 to 57. John chapter 6. Glory to God. Communion common union the intimate participation in what jesus did in his body and in his blood that means in his sacrifice john 6 51 jesus says i am the living bread which came down from heaven if anyone eats of this bread he will live forever (laughs) and the bread that i shall give is my flesh which I shall give for the life of the world. Verse 53. Then Jesus said to them. Most assuredly I say to you. Unless you eat the flesh of the son of man. And consume it. And drink his blood. And consume it. You have no life in you. What was he saying? Eat his body? Eat his, drink his blood? Is this cannibalism? No. He was talking about being consumed. He was talking about being so, so abandoned. He was talking about yielding to him completely. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has my life, eternal life. And I'm going to raise him up at the last day. My flesh is food indeed. And my blood is drink indeed. Now when he's talking about his flesh and his blood, he's talking about the sacrifice. In communion, when we say this bread and we say this cup, of blessing, wine, grape juice, whatever it is, we're talking about the sacrifice. In First Corinthians chapter chapter 10 and verse 16, now you can go read First Corinthians chapter 11, verse 23 to about verse 31. We're not going to do that today, but you can check it out. But in First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 16, Paul said, the Spirit of God, true Paul, says the cup of blessing, the cup of blessing which we bless, is it not the communion of the blood of Christ? Is it not the common union with the blood of Christ? Is it not the intimate participation that you have with the blood of Christ? Is it not your share in that shed blood? And the bread, the bread, the bread, the bread which we break, is it not the communion of the body of Christ? Is it not the common union with the body of Christ? Is it not your intimate participation and share in what Jesus did in his body? Because he didn't just do it for you, but he did it with you. There is a common union. And Paul said in chapter 11 that if you do not understand that, and you eat and you drink and you take the communion, but you don't have discernment, Of what's going on with this body and what's going on with this blood, then the healing and the deliverance that is yours will be denied you. And because of that, many are weak, many are sick, and many die early. Why? Because of not discerning the sacrifice of Christ. Are you with me? All right. Because I got a share in this, man. This sickness ain't got no right in my body. Are you with me? All right. Praise the Lord. So. Hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Glory to God. So why why is the application of the eight elements total surrender? Why? Now remember total surrender is not about willpower. It's not about willpower. If it was about willpower which means legalism then the scripture would have been talking about you becoming yoked together with Moses and with the law. But the scripture says, Jesus says, no, 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 no. Come, come to me, learn of me. Come, take my yoke, be yoke together with Christ, not with Moses, not with legalism. This issue of the application to come to this place of surrender, this surrendering, this yielding, it is not a work of the law. It is a work of grace. Now, you got to hear me because it's so easy to slip into the works of the flesh. To your own works. It is a work of grace. The empowerment that comes from the Holy Spirit. The eight elements of the sacrifice. Will overcome. Any and all of the hindrances. To total surrender. When you apply it continually. So now let's pause for a minute. There are hindrances. You decide I'm going to totally surrender. Man. Am I going to look like a fool? What are people going to think about me? Pride. But then I'm a shy person. And all kinds of things begin to come up. And all of these hindrances that are going to come up, listen to me, these hindrances that are going to come up in your mind to hinder you from totally surrendering, all of them, none of them will come from your spirit. You are a spirit, you have a soul, and you live in a body. None of the hindrances will come from your spirit, because your spirit is created in righteousness and true holiness. And the scripture says in Romans 7 verse 22, "Your spirit delights in God. It loves God totally. There are times you are sitting down watching some soap opera or some gun smoke or something or the other. And as far as your spirit is concerned is, can we do something else? Could we go spend some time with the Lord? Could we read the word? Because your spirit only delights in God. So those hindrances do not come from your spirit. Where do they come from? Flesh or self, the devil, and the world. But listen to this. The sacrifice of Christ has the application of the eight elements of the sacrifice has to be able to overcome all obstacles. That means it's got to be able to overcome the obstacles that come from your flesh and self. It has to be able to overcome the obstacles that come from the world. It has to be able to overcome the obstacles that come from the from the devil. Amen. And the Word of God says, "Ye are of God, little children, and you have overcome them, because greater is He that is in you than He that is in the world. You have overcome them, the world, the flesh." and the devil. Where the devil is concerned, it says, hey, you have overcome the enemy by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of your testimony. When it comes to the world and whatever comes out of the world, Galatians 6 verse 14 says, you are dead to the world and the world is dead to you through the cross. Now I know that might sound like just a bunch of words, but when you get a hold of what it really is and you begin to apply it, Then the things from the world, the things from the devil, or the things from the flesh will be shut down. And that's why you apply these eight elements of the sacrifice. So as to shut down the world, the flesh, and the devil. Amen? The sacrifice of Christ. Where the flesh is concerned. Galatians 5 verse 24 says, You that belong to Christ, you have crucified the flesh with its affections and its lusts, its addictions, its bondages. And all the it's anger. I don't know about you. Man, you hear here, you trying to surrender. But within your personality, man, you get some anger fits. Amen? And you want I mean, you could go to your anger management. And I'm not knocking those things. But where is the answer? Where is the answer? It's in Galatians 5, 24. The application of that. The addiction, that bondage, that cigarettes, that whatever it might be. And that, would that be a hindrance? When it comes to surrendering, of course. But how do you defeat it? The sacrifice. And I mean, and it's not even all it's not even all eight elements. It's just the first part death. It's just death and burial. That's it. So self comes out of the flesh. Romans 6, verse 6 says that you have crucified the flesh. That you are it says crucify the flesh. I'm trying to see if I miscode this and I'm not going to do that. I take authority over that in Jesus' name. Romans chapter 6 verse 6. Knowing this, that the old man is crucified, that the body of sin might be destroyed. Amen? So, the flesh element, you shut it down just by crucifixion alone. The world, you've been dead to the world through the body of Christ, the devil. Jesus destroyed and defeated and spoiled the enemy. And, 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 and when we function from ascension, it's far above the devil. When we function by the blood, we overcome by the blood. When we function by the name, at the name of Jesus, every devil and every demon bows. I've just named just a few elements of the sacrifice. Let me give you a few uh, examples here as we come into a close. This is as quickly as I can. Shame. Just a few examples of some hindrances. Shame. Could shame be a problem? Yes. But when you recognize the old man has been crucified, what are you ashamed about? There's an application of crucifixion and the blood. Jesus has all his beard plucked out. That had to do with you being delivered from shame. Amen? People's opinion. People's opinion. If you are dead, what do you care what somebody thinks? But now here's the thing, you see, what people's opinions are will affect you unless you be dead. But how how do you get there? The scripture says the preaching of the cross. In other words, you have got to speak crucifixion. You've got to declare according to the word of God, I am dead to people and I'm dead to their opinions. It doesn't mean you don't love them, but I'm dead to it. I'm dead to it. I'm dead to it. it. And when you speak that, the power of, then the Holy Ghost will come and bring fulfillment to it. Paul says, I am what I am by the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost that works within me. Pride is pride an issue? Of course pride is an issue. Uh, But the scripture says in Galatians 2.20, you've been crucified and it's now the life of Christ. That pride is an evil heart. It's an evil heart condition. However, Time and fellowship with God and fasting will break that pride up and deliver you. Does it happen overnight? No. The application of all these things is not going to bring you to total surrender tomorrow. But you got to do it consistently. But I'm a shy person. I can't talk like that. I, You know, I don't want to be seen. Hey, hey, hey. Colossians 3 verse 3 says you are dead. And your life is hid with Christ in God. And Christ is now your life. But how is that going to work? You got to believe it. And you got to speak it. You must speak these things. You don't just sit back and think it. You got to speak it. The power is in the speaking. It is the speaking of the cross. God manifests his word through speaking. Titus 1 verse 3. But what about fear? Fear. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. Well. When you feel on the word of God, it will drive out fear. When you come to know the love of God, how much God loves you, it's not about you and all of that. When the love of God matures in you, it will drive out fear. When you begin to function in that oneness and you're established in righteousness, fear is going to be driven out. But then there's the voices from the memory. What you used to be, what you used to do, how you messed up. Maybe you were, I don't know, Maybe you were a thief. Maybe you were a gang leader. Maybe you used to push drugs. Maybe you, had, uh, 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 maybe you were promiscuous. Whatever the case is. And the devil want to bombard you with those things. Well, what are you going to do with that? Could those things hinder you? Yes. But then you got to recognize, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm dead. That stuff is buried and gone. All things have passed away. And now all things are of God. You got to believe that, but you got to speak it. So you forget the former things. And then even some of these things, all I've mentioned is death and burial. We still have another six elements, amen? Fits of anger. (laughs) The conclusion of the whole matter, whatever the hindrances might be, is this, Galatians 2.20. It's no longer you that live, but it's Christ that liveth in you. So what do you do? Romans 6.11. Reckon yourself to be dead indeed and alive unto God. In other words, I do the calculation, I am dead. I do the calculation, I'm alive to God. It's not me here. Now, when you apply the eight elements of the sacrifice, the most important, in my opinion, and I don't like the word opinion, the most important, right, is death and burial because that's where it begins. Amen? When you apply those eight elements, the power of the Holy Spirit shows up and gives you the victory. Romans chapter 8 verse 13 says. That through the spirit you mortify the deeds of the flesh. In other words you kill off the stuff that the flesh wants to do. How? By the spirit. But then the Holy Ghost performs miracles. And he does it when he hears faith. When he hears you talking. Romans 8 13. When you apply these, the Holy Ghost gets on the scene. The scripture says, Zechariah 4, verse 16. Verse 6, sorry. It's not by might, nor by power, but it is what? By the Spirit, say the Lord. Philippians 2, verse 12 and 13 says, that when you work out your salvation, when you believe, when you work out your salvation, when you're declaring the word of the cross, that is the power of God unto salvation, and you're working it out. Verse 13, the Holy Ghost will work in you both to will and to do and to perform. He's going to give you the desire and he's going to give you the grace and produce it. Now the absolute truth is when Jesus went to the cross, every misery that came into the earth because of Adam's fall, Jesus by his sacrifice has to correct it all. If Jesus did not correct everything that went wrong, Because of Adam's fall, then it would mean that what the devil accomplished in Adam would be greater than what God accomplished in Jesus. And that can't be. So if what God accomplished in Jesus, the reconciliation and the justification, is greater than what the devil did in Adam, the condemnation. If what God did in Jesus the second Adam is greater than what the devil did in the first Adam and it is, then it means any misery, any problem that that there is in the realm of humanity, the answer always is in the sacrifice of Christ. Are you with me? Who's that? Amen. Praise the name of the Lord. The absolute truth is the sacrifice of Christ and its application Answers every and any problem in the human race or arena. Jesus said, it says for this purpose he was manifested. To destroy the works of the devil. Colossians 1.20 says that by the blood of his cross he has reconciled everything to God's original intent. Amen. Now, here are five actions as we close that you need to take. On the one hand, the first part is you've got to get more and more understanding of these eight elements. How is that going to happen? You see, it says in all you're getting, you've got to get understanding. How are you going to get the understanding? You've got to meditate. You've got to meditate in these eight elements of the sacrifice. Whether it be the name, the blood, the word, ascension, you've got to meditate in it. What do you mean meditate in it? You've got to study. You've got to mutter it under your breath. You've got to confess it you got to envision yourself. See yourself in that cross. See that sickness being placed on Jesus. See those stripes and his back for your healing. So you got to envision it. See yourself being out of that wheelchair and walking like a normal person. you got to meditate. Also too, make it a matter of prayer. Whatever it is, put it in prayer. I'm going to send it together with Christ, but put it in prayer. Oh, Father God, I thank you I'm raised up together with Christ. I thank you that this is where I'm seated, far above devils and demons. I thank you that even though I'm facing some some heavy, tough-looking situations, ah, not a big deal. I have an advantage. I'm functioning from here. Make a prayer. Because when you pray, you get it branded on the inside of you. And then also, too, that's number one, number two, number three, which has to do with becoming a doer. Practice. Number three, practice. Practice these things. You have an opportunity. I mean condemnation is trying to get a hold of you. Practice. By the blood of Jesus, there's no condemnation. I'm already forgiven. Oh, but but you messed up. You did wrong. You're going to be punished. No, 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 no. Jesus took the punishment. Practice every time you get an opportunity. And you're going to get lots of opportunity. But when you practice, you develop muscle. Amen. (laughs) Number four. Bring your thoughts into subjection that condemning thought, that accusation, don't, 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 don't live with it. Don't tolerate it. Cast it down and cast it out. And then number five, let Jesus be your example. Amen? Let Jesus be your example. Receive, uh, 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 and, and I don't want to end there. So here is the deal. Now these things take discipline. God is inviting you into a new relationship this vine branch, this oneness, this, 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 this righteousness, this total surrender. I am the vine, you are the branches. Abide in me, and I in you, and you're going to bring forth much fruit. It's necessary for you to apply these eight elements, how often? Continually. From now till Jesus come, so that you could keep rising, and rising, and rising, and rising. Jesus says, if you continue... In my word, then are you my disciples indeed? James one twenty five, you look into the word of liberty, but when you go away, you don't forget. You keep that word before you, and you stay with it. Second Corinthians three verse eighteen, we beholding as in a mirror, the glory of the Lord, are changed from glory to glory. Beholding, looking, seeing, you got to continue. Amen. Now. I believe God for you to receive grace so that you can be that disciple, so that you can do these things. Now, we're going to have some communion for those of you that are at home. Go grab some grape juice, wine, and something to drink that would represent the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and get a cracker, bread or something and we're going to have communion. Now, I'm going to lead you in a so I'm just going to give you a moment to go get your communion elements. Amen? And we are going to, we're going to, half communion together. But now in this communion, I'm going to tell you right now, it's going, to be a, it's going to be primarily a long confession. But in this confession that I'm going to lead you in, it is designed to more or less summarize a lot of what we've already shared, but so that you can hear it out of your own mouth and get it plastered in your heart. Amen? Amen. So I want you to do get ready. Praise the name of the Lord. And even as you're getting ready right now, let us declare and let us release the kingdom of God wherever you are. Because that kingdom rules over all. That kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I release the kingdom of God by the power of the Holy Ghost right where you are in that atmosphere where you are. And everything that is contrary, I bind it, I drive it out by the authority of the blood of the Lord Jesus and the finished work of the cross. And I'm not, I, would not, I'm, I'm, I expect that even as you have communion, God is going to touch your life. Grace is going to be released. Maybe you need healing in your body. I believe for that healing to take place. Amen. Now let's just get a, hold of, get, get a hold of this bread and I want you to make this confession with me. Say it from the depths of your heart. Say, Father in heaven, I thank you for the gift of communion. I realize... I have a common union with everything Jesus did in his body. I have an intimate participation. I have a share in everything Jesus did in his sacrifice. He did them for me and he did them with me. So I confess that I died with him. The old man was buried with him. The past is gone. I confess. I was, I, resur- I was raised up with him. I ascended with him. I'm seated at the Father's right hand. I have the very life of Christ in me. I have the authority in the name of Jesus. Every situation, every devil or demon, every sickness or disease is underneath my feet. I confess that every sickness that could ever afflict me was in Jesus' body. And that by his stripes, I was healed. I thank you, Father, that the life of Christ Is now in me. All the promises of God, they belong to me. I am your child. I am a citizen of heaven. I'm a joint heir with Christ. Every promise is yes, amen, certainty in Christ. So I receive this bread right now. I receive my part. In what Jesus did in his sacrifice. He redeemed me from every curse. Every curse is broken off of my life. And I receive wholeness. I receive victory. I receive prosperity. In the name of Jesus. Just receive the body of Christ. Say, Father, this cup, it's the cup of blessing. This blood that Jesus shed says that I am righteous. I have your righteousness. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. The blood of this covenant declares that I have an abundant inheritance. All of the promises are mine. The peace of God is mine. The very life of Christ and everything that is in Him is in me. So I declare by the authority of this blood every element, every promise, every truth is sealed by this blood. I am planted. In this everlasting covenant, Father, all that you are is available to me. All that you have is available to me. I'm joined to you by this blood covenant. And I give you thanks. Let's receive. Now, Father, I stretch forth my hands and I pray for everyone under the sound of my voice. I pray that the river of the living God, the river of Christ, that river of life, that river of healing that flows out of the very person of Christ by the Holy Ghost that flows right now in the name of Jesus. That knows no distance. That, that is not hindered by space or time. That that river flows to each and every single one under the sound of my voice. And it, it brings healing. It brings deliverance. The works of the devil are destroyed. That spirit of loneliness is broken. That sense of despair goes in the name of Jesus. That spirit of fear and bondage Be broken in the name of Jesus. And Father, I pray for your supernatural help and grace. Cause needs to be met in the name of Jesus. Bring everyone up higher. Higher in Christ. Higher in truth. Higher in their Christian walk. In Jesus' name. Father, I give you praise and glory and thanksgiving and honor. And perhaps there's someone that has been listening and you've never made Jesus the Savior and the Lord of your life. Do it right now. Jesus died for you. But he also took you with him. But you can only have those benefits by receiving him. So say this with me right now. Say, Jesus, I believe you died on the cross for me. I believe you were raised up from the dead. And I invite you right now To come into my life. I give you my life. This is our covenant exchange. I receive you. Your life. And I give you my life. And Father I thank you. That by the blood of Jesus. All my sins are forgiven. Father I thank you. That you give me power. To become your child. And so right now, I am born again. Old things have passed away, and everything has become new. Blessed be the name of the Lord. You pray that prayer from the depths of your heart, you are born again. Amen?